that, that works. That works, great. Uh, so good morning, good morning, welcome. We are... I, I wanted to look today at faith. And over the last, last few months, we started our Sunday services in September, and we felt like God had asked us to camp around the theme of identity. Uh, all the sort of experts in preaching experts say you create a series, do a sermon series, and it's a lot easier. But we felt, we felt as though God had said, just look at themes of identity, about who God is, how we think he looks like, and, but also to think about how God has made us his masterpiece. And so we created some series. Uh, we were going to start some series in January, and we still felt God draw us to, to this thing of our identity. And, um, and it's probably something that we'll return back to over and over again around forgiveness, around who we are, and how much God loves us. But we, um, I think today might be a slight shift for us as a, as a kind of a, a community, really. And as we've been looking at what does, God's, what does God want to say for us all, we feel like today might be a bit of a, a shift. And we're, so we're going to explore some themes around authority. And we'll probably go back to identity again. Just core, core things. But we felt as though... To, Today, we might just want to talk a bit more about our authority. So I wanted to talk about faith. And again, there's a sermon series in faith. So um, as I was preparing, I said, actually, this is, we could do a sermon series on faith. And maybe we could be a sort of a kosher church where we can have <laughs> sermon series. But um, we're going to just scratch at, uh, at, at the subject of faith. Um, I've had a bit of a weird couple of days. So last night, I was running a quiz night for my son's school, uh, Trinity School, and they do a, a yearly charity quiz night, and and I got roped in to be the quiz master, and, uh, and there was a raffle at the end, and the top prize was Botox, and I, I, <laughs> it was, it was, to, uh, it was, uh, we talk about the awesomes and the awkward, and last night was definitely awkward, because I was quite shocked because normally it's like a toaster or a hamper or a bottle of wine. And so the top prize, this is the kind of the calibre of the school, the top prize was £250 treatment of Botox. And so my mind, I've just got loads of questions because, because of that. And so it was with joy that I gave Brian the winner of the, uh, the Botox treatment his prize. And I was so excited, I said, We've got to, I've got to take a sort of selfie with the, the guy who won the Botox, and he was totally embarrassed. And I think actually he was just brought up because of his wife, who was probably a little bit more embarrassed to come up. So there's like 350 people, and he comes up, and it was so, it was really weird, really, 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 really weird, really weird night. So we go from Botox to faith <laughs> in like 10 hours. Um, so, uh, what, we, what we believe, don't we, is that a normal Christian life is one of overflow. That I, what, what we, often we think that we come to church and we receive and we receive and we receive. And the kind of the metaphor is that God is in us, not as a lake. He doesn't, it's not our job just to kind of receive more and more and more from God. But actually it's one of overflow. 
So the metaphor that we can't like to use more is more like a river. Uh, and it's more like breathing. We see that naturally. We, we breathe in, we breathe out. Do me a favour. Just take, in, after three, I'm going to ask you to take a deep breath and try and hold your breath as long as possible. So one, two, three. So we breathe in. And this is often what, we, what represents the church, is that we're breathing in more and more and more and more. It's like, what can we receive when we come to church? When I turn up at church, what can I absorb? What can I take in? How much can I get? What can I uh, be filled with? Like, Lord, I just need to be filled up more and more and more. I can breathe out. <laughs> uh, but often we don't know how to breathe out. So in Matthew 10.8, Jesus says, freely you've received, now freely give. receive a bit more. No, he says freely give, you give it away. And the, this metaphor of breathing in and out is a bit like that. And this whole thing of identity to authority is like that. Because Jesus has done so much for us, we just want to give that away. Uh, so we've got this new project starting, Bags of Blessing. Every time you go shopping and you buy a toothbrush or a toothpaste, buy some, something practical for a homeless person or a rough sleeper. And, and when you come here on a Sunday, just chuck it in the... You'll see it as you walk out. And then what we're doing is we're creating some bags to then give away to people. Um, or some deodorant. Or practical things like pens and papers and things like that. So on your way, have a look at that. Those are just some practical ways that, because we've received, we can, we can give it away as well. Um, we, see, we see examples in scripture, don't we, of this, where people, when people do, who discover who they are in, in God, there's that automatic shift towards, actually, I want to give this away. I want to, because God, you've done so much for me, what can I do to help, help other people? We see that with Isaiah. He said, who am I? Unclean lips. Who, and, and God said, who will send me? Here am I, send me. Or we see it with the disciples when they come back and they've seen lots and lots of people healed. And they say, Lord, we've seen so much. Give us more faith. Give us more faith. Or you see it with Peter. He sees Jesus walking in the water. And he's, oh, I want to step out of the boat. I want to, to do the things that, that you are doing, Jesus. Um, or David, he sees King David when he was a he was, when he was a child. All the Israelites are fleeing from from the giants, and, and David just steps up and he says, "I've I've seen the God my God use me to kill lions and bears. I'll take on that giant. I'll step up." And he's got this armor, you know, he's this child. He's got this big armor of swords, and he's got this big massive armor, and he's like, "I can't wear that." I've just, got this, I've just got what I have, and I'm just going to slay that giant. And he came, he was confident. I'm going to kill that giant. And so we see examples over and over and over again in Scripture where, where people who know who they are, they, they can do great things for God in faith. And so today, I, we really want, I, I feel like today is just a bit of a shift for us, of moving from identity to authority. And... Uh, face a bit of this ab abstract con concept. But we all have, according to scripture, we all have mountain-moving faith. And some of us have, haven't discovered it yet. And so if and when we do this series on faith, we, we may discover ourselves that we've got this mountain-moving faith. 
But faith, even when you talk about it, this kind of weird concept, you think you're sitting there and you're like, I've got to well maybe quite unlike that, but <laughs> I've got I've got to do something to activate faith. There's something I need to push. What can I do to, to do that? Uh, what we're going to do today is look at Hebrews 11 and just have some examples of, of people that have pleased God because of their faith. So I think the words are going to come up on the screen. Hopefully, I'm going to, I'm going to read them anyway. Uh, so the title of Hebrews 13 in, in my version says, Faith in Action. Now faith, the first one, now faith uh, is... Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings and by faith uh, and by faith, Abel still speaks, still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he commended the, the world. He, sorry, by faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder, builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was unable to bear children because she, was considered, him, she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, as he, as he, as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and counts as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised, yet they only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting they were foreigners and strangers on the earth. And so it goes on and it goes on and it lists, and it lists all these people of faith. It's almost like a, a hall of fame of faith, this chapter here, and countless stories and individuals of faith here. I guess the, the underpinning verse is in verse 6, where it says, without faith it is impossible to please God. And throughout the, this chapter we hear these characters who please God through faith. And we see that with Jesus, that there was something about faith that moved, moved Jesus as he saw people of faith. We hear in verse 5, we hear about Enoch who was commended as one who pleased God. He pleased God. And we, we read that again and again in that, that chapter. 
And for us, we most of us, we think about what's going to happen at the end of time when we stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with Jesus. And uh, we would love that set of us, wouldn't we? I'd love that set of me. I, I, with you, I'm well pleased. You've pleased me. You're faithful. I'm pleased. I'm pleased by your faith. And, and our prayer is that when we all stand, and we stand face-to-face -face before Jesus, that we want to please him. We want him to say, I'm with you, I'm well pleased. Good and faithful servant, with you I'm well pleased. And so um, I want to propose that it's faith that pleases God. And we're going to look at that a bit more. Um, it's, what's really interesting to me is that we can, we can become so incredibly self-focused in our, in our society, in our culture, uh, and everything in our, particularly in London, London culture, revolves around us. And so this concept of freely we've received, now freely give, and this concept of faith that moves God is, is something that we, we can wrestle with. Um, I don't know about you, but there's some people that I've met who've got sort of mind-blowing faith. And it's a bit like a magnet. One of the things that I've noticed that if, if you're around people that have got this faith, that either repels us or attracts us. We either get offended or it makes us want to do, want to do what they've, they've been doing. Uh, they've sort of pioneered ground that we can, we can sort of step into. And I, I remember uh, there was this young guy, um, this guy from America, and he, he, was, um, he would just go out into supermarkets and out in his car and he would be asking God, like, give me names of people, give me names of people. And it was... Part of me, I was attracted to that because I thought, if I'm selfish, I thought, why is it always in America? Why, why is it always flipping Americans? Like, <laughs> that seemed to, you know, just be radical and pioneering. And I thought, why can't we have that in London? And I felt God challenged me, like, well, it is possible. You can do that. So as a young, as a young Christian in my early 20s, I... Um, uh, I decided I would pray, and then I'd ask God, God, give me names for people. God, give me a, a locations that you want me to go to, and I'd just be obedient. So I've read the scriptures, and, like God can speak to us. And so I would, uh, I'd go to these kind of random places. I remember I felt God say to go to this place in central London, and I went into the embassy, and it was this kind of random, random embassy, and I... They, they were like, what, why are you here? And I said, well, I've, I'm, I've just been praying and God's told me to come to this road and I don't know quite why I'm here. And very, very random. And I'm going to um, bars and say, I'm here to meet John. <laughs> it's kind of like I was 24 and I'm going into this random bar and it's quiet. And it's like, so where's John? I, I'm here to meet God, John, like some kind of drug deal. Um, <laughs> uh, and I'd go... I've got dozens and dozens of these stories where I just feel like God was almost embarrassing me and the angels would get, grab their popcorn and go, right, let, what, where's Steve going to go now? And, uh, I remember one time I was, uh, I was praying and I felt God say, go to Wimbledon Common, you're to meet a man called, I can't remember what his name was, but, and I was like, okay, God, and you know, I got into my, my, Mark, my escort, my Mark III escort, and drove to Wimbledon Common, and I start, I don't know if anyone's been to Wimbledon Common. It's not busy. There's lots of woods. And um, 
It's quite secluded. And so I, I, as I was walking around, women come out, I kept going, where do you want me to go? And women come home, and I'm just wandering around. And I'd see a man walking his dog. And I'd, go, I'd kind of make a beeline for this guy, and I said, hi, are you Paul? Like in the middle of the woods. Hi, are you Paul? Um, and in my kind of naivety, I didn't really realise. And I'd go to another part of the woods and find this man. And we didn't have a dog back then. We didn't have a dog, so, you know, I'm like a young 20-year-old going up to middle-aged men, and, and it was only after about an hour I thought, hang on, this seems a bit dodgy. <laughs> it seems a bit weird. Um, and I've got a trail of stories like that. I remember I was coming back from Reading. I used to work in prisons in, um, around London and uh, around, around sort of South East London. And I'd come back from Reading prison, and I was praying, OK, God, who do you want me to see, who do you want me to see today? Uh, give me a picture. Even, uh, some of you might be familiar with treasure hunting. Yeah. Treasure hunting. I didn't really know about treasure hunting, but I was just asking, okay, who do you want to see? And I had this picture of this pink bag with a flower on it, this kind of yellow flower on it, and uh, the name Eric. The name Eric. So I was like, okay, that's a bit weird. But, okay, I'm with you, God. And so I got off at Clapham Junction train station. Many of us know Clapham Junction. It's quite busy. And all of a sudden, I saw this, this family, and this girl was holding this pink bag that I had in my head, that I had in my vision, pink bag with a yellow flower on it. I was thinking, how do I... Like God, I said, God, God, you've spoken, you've really spoken. And I thought, maybe her name's Erica, or maybe her dad's called Erica, but... Eric. Oh, Eric, Eric, sorry. And so I just went up to the dad, and I said, hi, uh, are you Eric? And in my head, I was like, but it's the bag. You're sure? You must be Eric. You must be Eric. And they said, and so I said, you know, is your daughter called Erica? No. Who are you? <laughs> was his reply, what, what the hell are you doing? And, but I was convinced that God had spoken. So I'd seen the, seen the pink bag. And, um, and so they got on the train. And I was like, okay, God, maybe there's someone in Clapham Junction train station called Eric. Uh, and again, in my naivety... Platform 15, I, uh, I just started going up to guys and saying, hi, are you Eric? Are you Eric? Like, God, God's really spoken to me, like, are you Eric? And it was one of the times where I was really convinced I was going to meet someone called Eric. Um, and I was so convinced, I ended up shouting out in Clapham Junction, Eric! Like, sh like physically shouting, and you, you know Clapham Junction. And I'm shouting across the platform, uh, you know, where they all go towards London. Anyone called Eric? Anyone called Eric? And I'm walking up and down platform 15. Where's Eric? Where's Eric? Where's Eric? Um, I didn't find him. <laughs> didn't find him. Um, and so I've, I've, I honestly have got this catalogue of disasters, embarrassing disasters. And I could, I could spend the whole day telling you of all, all these. And I remember saying to God, that's it, I'm done. You're, you, you're just having a laugh with me. You're, I'm so naive. You can just put me, take me on these wild goose chases. I'm so naive. I'm so... That's it, I'm done. I don't want to do that anymore. Because I'm, I'm too embarrassed. That I'm not seeing anyone. You're not doing anything. I'm going into random places and people thinking I'm a drug dealer or thinking I'm some kind of... 
worker in woods. Um, I, can't, I just can't do it. I physically can't do it anymore. So I made a sort of a vow. I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to do that again. Um, I'm going to come back to Eric a bit later. Uh, most of us are in this room today because at one point we believed in something that at one point we didn't realise existed. Some of us, if we think about our faith, at one point we didn't believe what we believe now. Or we didn't experience and encounter Jesus the way we, we encounter him now. And um, my desire, a bit like the, uh, the disciples that came back to Jesus, my desire after today is that there be some people in the room that say, Lord, increase my faith. Just increase my faith. We've seen, we've seen this already, but Lord, increase, increase my faith. And Hebrews 11, I think, is an unbelievable chapter. If you look at it, on the surface, it's quite a familiar chapter. A whole load of people that God's pleased with about their faith. But if you compare the actual story of what happened to what's on Hebrews 11, you think, really? So Sarah, Abraham's wife, she's commended. She's, she's in the hall of fame of faith. She's one of those people in all of human history that God has commended for her faith. Some of us are familiar with the story. You go back to the original story with Sarah. And um, the first mention of her in the Old Testament, um, I, I reckon she's not a woman of faith. Do you remember when she hear, hears, like Abraham, he's going to have these stars and descendants and his descendants are going to outnumber the grain of sand and the stars up in the sky and what's her first response? She laughs. Doesn't she? She laughs and it's not one of these some of us have been in some of those crazy meetings where they're kind of holy rollers and the, the joy of the spirit and it's, I don't think it's one of those <laughs> times I think it's more of a sort of cynical rubbish. Like it's one of those kind of laughs, isn't it? Isn't it? But she's there in the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Fame of Faith. She's there, but in the, in the original story, she's cynical. She's like, that's never going to happen. That's not going to happen. So what is it that makes her story become into the uh, Hebrews 11 story? Oh, we have Rahab. Rahab's mentioned here. What's Rahab? Prostitute. She's a prostitute. So her lifestyle probably doesn't please God. I'm sure she might have gone into some woods uh, in her past. But her lifestyle doesn't, isn't what we would say is kind of holy, pure. She doesn't sort of fit the bill, does she? She's a prostitute. Yeah, she makes it into the handful of, handful of people in human history in, in Hebrews 11. On the surface, some of the people we, we see here in Hebrews 11 aren't squeaky clean. They're not squeaky clean. Let me just, I, I saw this, um, this list of people in the Bible. Some of them are famous. So Noah, he was a drunk. Abraham, he was too old. Isaac, he was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Joseph was physically abused by his family. Moses... He had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson, he, he had long hair. 
but also he was a womanizer. I'd call him a bandit. You know, he was a womanizer, he was a bandit. Uh, we've got Rahab, prostitute, Jeremiah and Timothy. They were too young. They were, they were too young. David, one of the most famous men in history, apart from Jesus, David, he was an adulterer and a murderer. Elijah, he was depressed and suicidal. Jonah, Jonah the prophet, the prophet Jonah. What's the original story? He runs away, doesn't he? He runs away from God. Uh, Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. It was a bit weird, wasn't he? <laughs> Martha, she worried about everything. She was stressed and worried. The Samaritan woman, she was divorced. Maybe not once, maybe a few times. Zacchaeus, he was too short. <laughs> Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer, and I love this one. And Lazarus, he was dead. <laughs> but yet God used all of those people. He didn't look at the circumstances. He didn't look at what was going on at the time. He used them. And, uh, and I'm hoping this is encouraging for you and I. I hope this is encouraging. Uh, so I think faith is something deeper and wider than just what we think it is. It doesn't, it's not really about our circumstances. There's something... Um, for, for many of us, we're looking behind us and we're disqualifying ourselves already. And if all of those people there had just become what, what their circumstances were. So if you look at Abraham, we look at Moses, we look at David. If they just said, that's who I am, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be the heroes that we think, that we think they are to um, now. Uh, Spurgeon. The famous theologian, he says, uh, to trust God in the light, that's easy. But it's trusting God in the dark, that's faith. I really like that. It's easy to trust God in the, in the, in the light. But actually, for many of us, we're, we're trusting God with our cynicism when we think that, that that's not going to happen. We're trusting God despite the circumstances going on. And I think that's, that's faith. And if you're, if you're in this room today and fear is stopping you from doing what God has promised you or called you to do. See, all of these people, they just had to said, okay, God, I'm willing, despite my circumstances, just to take that step of faith. Despite what's happened in the past, I'm willing to just to take that step. And God says, that's what I'm pleased with. Um, some people get stuck about smoking. I'm smoking, I'm smoking. See, I think God is more, more interested in getting you on fire than in stopping you smoking. God's more interested in putting passion inside of you rather than being legalistic. Um, a few years ago, some people, uh, we were talking about Lent, and I said, I've given up legalism for Lent. It's just religion and legalism. Let's just give it up. It stops us from being all, all that we can be for God. Um, so, so my story, about eight, nine years ago, 15 years ago, I said to God, I'm, I don't want to do that anymore, I'm too embarrassed. You're just tricking me. It's like Jeremiah the prophet. He kind of says, 
Lord, you've captivated me, but you've tricked me into this. You, you read Jeremiah, you, he's captivated. What, I must go, I must be sent. And then halfway through the, the, the book, he's like, God, you've tricked me. I can really relate to Jeremiah. You've, tri- you've tricked me. You've, you've let me see so much, and you've tricked me into this. But about eight or nine years ago, I kind of said, okay, God, I'm, I'm wanting to do that again. What, I feel you've tricked me. I feel like you've tricked me into this. The angels have finished their popcorn by now, but Lord, I really want to, I really want to do this. It's something that I really feel passionate about. And a few years ago, I, I was back in Wandsworth, uh, Wimbledon Common. I had a meeting with a, with a friend of mine. And we were talking and we were praying. And we were in, I don't know if anyone's been to the Windmill Cafe. So we were in there and I just felt God more was in the, the cafe. It was really weird. I felt God's presence in the cafe. And I felt God say, there's someone here that he wanted me to talk to. And I looked over and I saw this guy. And my friend Andrew and I, we started talking about what God might want to say to this guy. And so we started praying. And, and then I kind of... It was, it's all a bit weird. It's all a bit awkward. It's like Botox. It's all a bit awkward. <laughs> and I just went up to the guy. Oh, no, I think I said to him, okay, God, if... If it's your will, make him come, you know, you've got to make him come to me. And so this guy stood up and came towards us. And I said, oh, excuse me, hi, I'm, I'm Steve. This is going to sound a bit weird, but I'm a Christian, and I believe that God, uh, God can speak today. And I don't know why, but I feel like God wants to, to help you. And that Andrew and I, we talked about something, we prayed about some of the things, and so... We listed off his business and problems that he was having at, at work. And he, he suddenly stopped and he sat down and he said, how did you know that? How did you know that? How did you know that? I said, well, God loves you. And God's just pressing this pause button in your life today. We may, never, we, we may, we may never see each other, but God's pressing this pause button. Uh, and so it's amazing to be praying for him. I said, so what's your name? And he said, Eric. <laughs> and it was in that moment, like, Felt God redeem, particularly the Wimbledon Common <laughs> and the Clapham Junction in that one really beautiful moment. And this man was touched by Jesus. Uh, it, it, was, it was really, really amazing. And also, it was, it was nice for me because I, I had this ongoing hashtag with my friends saying, looking for Eric. And, when the, <laughs> and uh, we kept saying, I'm still looking, I'm still looking. And I remember, I remember texting her saying, Eric, I found Eric, I found Eric, I found Eric. Um, so, what's your excuse? That's the kind of the challenge I felt God say today. What's, what's your excuse? Is it your past? Is it your fear? We look at this list of heroes of the faith and they, they didn't let their past dictate their future. So what's, what's your excuse for not stepping into an area area of faith. What's your excuse? Um, why don't we stand and we're going to pray we're going to invite the band to come up. And uh,